Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 02890-333-105-077-66105-105. You can get in contact with us as this morning goes by and we'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. Now, some schools are finding it very difficult on this, which would be seen as the main return to school day. I know they were back uh, last week in dribs and drabs, but this is the Monday when they're all back and... They're not all back because some schools have up to or even more than a half of their pupils off as a result of close contact with someone unfortunately suffering or uh, someone who's going through uh, the stress and strains of COVID. I want to speak to Graham Galt, who's the president of the National Association of Head Teachers. Uh, Graham, there's some criticism being levelled by parents that in certain areas, uh, head teachers are being exceptionally strict and being more cautious than government guidelines would suggest that they they than the guidelines that the government would suggest to them uh, good morning frank and um to those parents uh, i i totally understand uh their view um but i will stand squarely behind any principal who uh stands between anyone or anything and the safety and well-being of their children uh, it's in the DNA of our school leaders and our teachers to protect their children and to protect their well-being. And some of them, some principals are making some very difficult decisions, uh, actually going out on a bit of a limb to err on the side of safety. And I support them in that. Uh, the reality is that um, some parts of the guidance uh, under which schools are expected to open at the moment uh, seem to be counterproductive to the, all of the other mitigations that schools are putting in place to protect our children, to limit transmission, in fact, to pre- prevent transmission. There's one particular part of the guidance, Frank, which uh, almost seems to promote the possibility of transmission. And so many of our principals, and it is actually quite, quite a lot, are just making a decision in liaison with the Board of Governors to ask parents to, uh, to follow slightly tighter um, procedures when it comes to isolation to try to minimise transmission. Uh, These decisions aren't taken lightly, Frank. They're not taken to try to make anyone's life uh, in school easier. They're not taken to, um, you know, to try to keep children out of school or anything like that. They're actually just designed uh, and taken 
to try to prevent transmission of this virus. It's very, it's a very, very difficult time indeed. Yeah, I'm just wondering where you see the flaws in it because it is quite complex. The, the guidelines are quite complex. If a pupil is flagged as a close contact and has not tested positive for the virus in the previous 90 days, public health agency recommends they self-isolate until they have taken a PCR test. If the test is negative, they can return to school and do not help do not have to self-isolate for 10 days, but are advised to take another test on day eight of their 10-day exposure period. Uh, some head teachers think that, that that's too quick of a return. Yeah, that, that is precisely the part of the guidance which is problematic. So if you imagine uh, a child who has a close contact at home with COVID, imagine that daddy is at home with COVID, and the child takes a test on day two, a PCR test, and it's negative. Under the guidance, that child can come back into school. And uh, and that's where we want our children to be. However, if that child is, that child is still at home uh, with their close contact who has COVID um, and then takes a test on day eight, um, what we're seeing already, and we've only been back in school for a short period of time, relatively speaking, uh, is that some children are coming back in and testing positive at that stage, which means they have been in school for a number of days uh, with COVID, um, potentially transmitting that to their close classmates who sit beside them or who they play rugby with or who uh, they sit in the school bus with. And it's that piece of guidance that principals are having a real concern with because if the agenda is to protect our children and prevent transmission of this virus, then surely if there is a close contact at home, uh, the child should be isolating for that period of time. Some head teachers are more outspoken, some of a higher profile than others. Diane Dawson, who's in charge of Braniel Primary School in East Belfast, is a very high profile. Uh, she's used a video message to inform parents that indeed the school would not be following the public health agency advice. Uh, Mr. Reid, who's in charge of uh, Larne High School, Stephen uh, Reid, um, he's t- telling us that 400 pupils are off mm-hmm. today. That, that's more than half the school uh, so there you know, i i presume these t- these head teachers and the staff around them are incredibly busy following the rules and seek you know seeking out who's been in contact with who oh I, I, absolutely we have school leaders I, i've been on the phone with school principals recently who have done nothing else but manage the covid response since the 20th, 19th, 18th of August. Uh, and, and what has happened then is, uh, Frank, the core business of a, a school leader, you know, to look after child protection, safeguarding, pastoral care, learning and teaching and so on, those things haven't been done. There are schools, um, and this is dreadful, but it's true, there are schools where the staff have not yet had their annual refresher child protection training, which is essential. And I absolutely mean essential They haven't had that yet because they've been only managing contact tracing. So the issue here is not about uh, any individual school principals, Diane Dawson or Stephen Reid there in Lauren High or anyone else. And there there are many hundreds of principals who are all in the same boat. The issue here is the the sheer scale of the problem. The the rates of transmission across society are huge. uh, And every time there's a positive case phoned through to the school, the contact tracing processes that follow that 
take countless hours for a principal to make sure that all of the close contacts, uh, anyone who a child has, like I say, sat on a bus with or, or mixed with in a class or in a dinner hall or in a playground or anywhere, all of those children are deemed as close contacts. Managing all of that is extremely labour-intensive. Well, well, some money, some additional money has been given by government to, to that, hasn't it? Well, uh, it's not really additional money. It's recycled money from uh, from the COVID response last year. But yes, money has been made available. Uh, but Frank, you see, if I was to employ uh, somebody to come and support me with contact tracing, which, and the issue is now, the crisis is right now, today, Monday, uh, so, so principals don't need money. What we've actually been asking uh, government to do is similar to how uh, health redeployed people from the health system to manage the vaccination pro- programs and the testing programs. Uh, why can we not very quickly redeploy some people from across the education sector uh, to manage COVID tracing um, to allow our principals to attend to their core business, child protection, pastoral care? And learning and teaching and so on. What about the idea of vaccinating the younger children? Because that's such an issue at present. The mm. debate is ongoing in the Republic of Ireland. There's some evidence that it is working and it has helped to keep the incidence of COVID down. Uh, here, there's uh, there's absolutely no recommendation uh, for it at, at present. As a matter of fact, the, the, the waves seem to be lapping away from it. Uh, what, what's your feeling on it? Well, it's it's a medical decision, Frank. Um, you know, there there are two sides to the argument about the rights and wrongs of vaccinating children. Um, my, my view is, uh, you know, and I, I suppose I'll not contribute to, uh, you know, the wealth of people who we have uh, who aren't medical practitioners commenting on medical practice. But if um, if our children, if it is deemed safe uh, by public health for children to be vaccinated. Um, then I would encourage children to be vaccinated. R- really, we want our we want our young people and our children in schools. Uh, we want them to live safe, happy, and fulfilling lives. Uh, so anything that can be done, if it's safe from a medical perspective, uh, we would like to see it happen. Absolutely. Uh, do, do, are you worried about a gradual return to? blended learning, a gradual return to children staying at home, the, some, some schools being in campus or on campus, other schools, majority of children not being in, in the classroom and uh, just a variety of learning leading to well, a challenge when it comes to testing at the end of the day because the, these children will have exams to sit at, at some point. Yeah, I'm very worried about that, Frank. Um, very worried indeed. I was hearing from a principal yesterday who has three teachers. Uh, it's a primary school. He has three teachers who are having to uh, go for testing and self-isolate. Where, where do you get three substitute teachers from <laughs> at short notice? The, the, the scale of the problem is such that there are actually no substitute teachers available at the present time. So it is possible that we that we will... I really pray this doesn't happen, but it is possible. We need to be prepared that it will happen that some schools may have to close parts of their schools or even, indeed, whole schools if staffing availability is an issue. And testing is always a big issue uh, in these circumstances, but also uh, so is just missing out on learning and teaching and the you know, all of the social developments that come with being in school. Um, there's so much that could potentially be lost here 
so we, we, we really do need the Department of Education to, to step in. Are you confident that they have contingency plans in place? No. Uh, I, I appreciate that the Minister has acknowledged that the situation is as dire as uh, we've been <laughs> trying to say that it is for the past couple of weeks. Um, we have some emergency meetings over the course of the next couple of days, and I, I, I really pray that something substantive uh, will be done to support our, our school leaders and our teachers to, to manage this awful situation for the sake of our kids. Okay. Uh, Graham Galt, uh, President of the National Association of Head Teachers, uh, thank you very much indeed. Gloomy outlook from the Head Teachers representative. Uh, what about teachers in general? Let me speak to Jackie White from the Ulster Teachers Union. Uh, Jackie, what sort of feedback are you getting from your members on this, which is seen really as the first big day back, even though they've been back for a while? Uh, the Monday in September when they all go back and the roads are busy, a lot of children are off. Good morning. Yes, indeed. And I think the message is the same right across the board. Um, we are finding that our principal members, um, first up um, in line with um, Graham's findings, are absolutely inundated with trying to work out these new, um, the new guidance arrangements and trying to identify close contacts and trying to ensure that every child is safe. But also we have the, the issue around the wider safety issues then in terms of um, teachers and the staff, because where we used to have children who were close contacts self-isolating for 10 days so that by the time they came back, we knew either they hadn't um, taken COVID or if they took COVID and developed symptoms, they were off until they came back, if, if that makes sense. But now that the children are going out and being tested and coming straight back in again, there's growing concern that potentially whilst they may not have had symptoms on day two, they may have symptoms on day four and day five. And that becomes very difficult, both from the point of view of um, you know, staff concerned about their own health and well-being and the health and well-being of the children, but also it becomes more difficult to manage that teaching and learning because you've got children coming back, going back out again, and what the, the, the teachers want to do at the beginning of this new academic year is to have a fresh start and to have those children re-engaged with their education and to have some kind of consistency. And as Graham has alluded to, um, unfortunately the arrangements that are in place at the minute are playing against that. We are hearing from, from our teachers and from our principals that this situation really outweighs the, the restart positions that we've had before. The transmission rates are so high that this just is not sustainable. So we are hoping that um, in, as the, in the meetings that Graham has referred to coming up, the emergency meetings, that we're going to hear something that's going to enable us to be more sustainable and put that support in place to ensure that our schools can move forward in a, in a more manageable way than this. In the ideal world, if you were the decision maker, how would it look on the ground? Well, I think what we had called for previously was to begin this new academic year with the previous mitigation still in place, assess what the, um, assess what the impact would be of this new wave, if you like, because we have a, di a different variant which is, is highlighted at the moment and we see that our younger people are being more and more impacted and, and the virus seems to be, you know, with the vaccination process moving down through the age groups. 
And what we would have wanted to see was a return with the mitigations that we were familiar with and that we were making work last term and then move from that. And perhaps one of the key ones there is the 10-day isolation. And we've already heard from... um, principals in the media over the weekend that some of the schools are actually just reverting back to the mitigations that they had before because this this is a different circumstance and we need to start with what we're familiar with and then try to ease moving forward because the key thing is every teacher every principal wants those children in school and we want them in school to be educated we don't want them in school in chaotic conditions so we need to really take baby steps and whilst we appreciate that society is open up, opening up more, we know that that impact is impacting on our schools. And we need to just take a breath, stop, and look and see how we can move this forward. One of the other things that we would like to see in an ideal world is additional support put in to um, deal with the track and trace. Principals are being pulled away from their key job, which is educationalists. And they were looking forward to this new academic year to to start putting a lot of those things in place, looking at the mental health and well-being of the children, the curriculum of the children. And instead, they are spending inordinate amounts of time on track and trace. So one way of, of looking at moving the education side forward is to actually have additional personnel put in schools to deal with the track and trace and to take that burden off the principal and allow that readjustment back to education within the schools. With regards to parents, are they getting frustrated with the teachers or the teachers' unions? Is there a sense that parents feel teachers are being too cautious? I feel that, I mean, I think that the vast majority of parents have the same um, priorities that we have in terms of the health and safety of their children. But you can fully understand that as society has opened up again, parents have gone back to work. And it's very difficult for them when they're contacted to say their child's in, their child's out, the, 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 the close contacts have gone out again or whatever. And it's very understandable that there's that frustration. But I don't think that parents are, are blaming the teachers and blaming the schools. I think that parents understand that schools are doing their best within the guidance that's given. And bottom line is the health and safety of the children. Um, but you can understand if, if the teachers and the principals are feeling the frustration of these new guidelines in schools and the new guidance, um, you can understand how that's having a, a knock-on effect on parents because it, it all feels very confused at the moment and it is very sporadic in the way that they, they're contacted and they're not quite sure what they're supposed to do whenever they are. Now, schools are communicating very well, but again, a change is something, as I said earlier, that should have been eased in so everybody's clear about what's going on. And we do not want the relationships between the school community and the school to break down as a result of this. And I think that's a key factor. Uh, And finally, Jackie, does the Ulster Teachers Union have a position on whether or not younger children should be, the the 12 to 15 year olds in particular, should be vaccinated? If the medical profession are stating that there's a benefit to those children being vaccinated, we would support that, absolutely. Anything which is going to keep our children in schools, keep them safe, um, and, you know... But the suggestion is it's minimal. Any any, any benefit is minimal and it's probably cancelled cancelled out by other factors. There doesn't seem to be a mad rush to vaccinate them the way they, they've decided to do in the Republic. No, there doesn't. And it's, it's, it's quite interesting because, as you've just alluded to there, you know, different jurisdictions have taken different um, approaches to this. 
And I think what we would like to see is and maybe have um, a meeting and have a, a discussion around the, the factors that have led to this decision because anything which is going to be of a benefit to your, our children in schools is something that we would support. Okay, uh, Jackie, thanks very much for your time indeed. Jackie White from the Ulster Teachers Union. So how is it impacting on you, possibly as a parent or guardian? Uh, do let us know. 02890-3105. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.